Hey guys, Tom Ulrich and Sean Quigley here from the podcast What's Going On Here? You can find us on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Stitcher, and TuneIn. And to get in touch with us, uh, just go to our Facebook page and leave a message or email us at what's going on here podcast at gmail.com. Thanks for listening, guys. And welcome, ladies and gentlemen, to another episode of What's Going On Here. My name is Tomo Lovrick, and with me, as usual, I have the standard-bearing, the t-shirt-wearing, the beard-sporting, and never coke-snorting, young Mr. Sean Quigley? Uh, uh, Coca-Cola, perhaps. Oh, Coca-Cola, yeah. (laughs) (laughs) For when you just really need to get that sugary hit a little faster. (laughs) A little bit faster, that's right. How are you, sir? Good, pretty good, not too bad. Um, You know, New Year, I guess. Yes, Happy New Year, everyone. Um, We haven't talked to you guys in a while. Yeah, it's it's weird. I mean, everyone. One thing I noticed, which was funny, it shows you how solipsistic word of the day throw that at you. Oh, wow. I am. Wait a minute, I have to look that word up. (laughs) What did you say again? Solipsistic. Solipsistic, okay. All right, go ahead. I am for the fact that I swear when this new year came around, I just had all these things on Facebook and the internet and articles everywhere, people bemoaning 2017 being such a shitty fucking year and how terrible 2017 was and right, right, right. Uh, 2018 would be better and what a terrible year and I was like, well, I, I thought it was pretty good actually. I didn't have much. I had a pretty good year. It was kind of good. It yes. went well for me and I kind of forgot. I was like, oh, I guess. Oh, there was that whole. Oh, there was the whole like. Uh, president thing well that's yeah, pretty crap yeah and the whole like you know all the people that have been like raped and abused and yeah like yeah, oh yeah. I guess that's not good yeah, and yeah yeah day to day wise day to day well right well I mean th- th- that's one of those things that you, you gotta have the perspective for right mm. yes in terms of political things and all the natural disasters that have happened and all that it's been a shitty year but I mean from your perspective how was your year? Was it awful? Did like you know have family members die, whatever? Or are you just bemoaning things that are happening out there? And I don't. I hate to use the term. Are you like snowflaking it a little bit and taking it on a little too much because it's really not that much your mm-hmm. thing to do? Mm-hmm. You know, are you to worry about? You know, and not to say that I don't want people to be like politically. Call your congressman. Call your senator. Call mm-hmm. your representative. Whoever. Get involved. Sure. But, you know, do you have a roof over your head? Are you eating? Are yeah. you, you know, there's so many people whose lives are a lot worse. You have never even seen or heard of fucking Facebook. But you're yes. on Facebook talking about how awful your life is with your, you know, $800 Apple or Android phone or whatever it is. And it's like, mm, that's yeah. The, that's the, yeah, that's exactly my sentiments. Right. I, I feel like that's, you know, I was, just, I was listening to a good podcast the other day where there was someone talking about... Um, amongst other things about depression and about the rise of depression seemingly or at least like medicated depression right in the west and over the last how many years and it's like if you look at the statistics it looks like there are way more depressed people than there ever was Was before um which doesn't make sense really when you think about it and he started talking more about and it's exactly that i mean like yeah if you take on all the world's problems with you and you look at the year as a whole of the whole world's issues and everything you get on the news and all the disasters and everything. Right. They're like, yeah, every year's good. Every day's going to be difficult for you. Yeah. You have yeah. a terrible time. You carry the weight on your shoulders. Whereas if you just look at what you have, 
in your own life and yeah. things, then probably doing pretty well. Yeah, I, I mean, a lot of the cliches are there for reasons like count your blessings. You know, it's like yeah. all, all the good things in your life, eh, they're pretty good. You know, it's like you're doing fine. You know, yeah, sure, there can be shitty days and whatever else, but yeah. But anyway, for those of us who, who for those of you that, <laughs> excuse me, for those of you that know, don't know this show, what we actually do is a lot more lighter <laughs> and more fun loving. New year, new show. New year, new show. We foregoing all of that shit. Yeah. We're just gonna drink ourselves silly on there. <laughs> Although that wouldn't be a bad show. <laughs> yeah, yeah. No, we review TV shows or movies that few people have seen or heard. Um, if they're foreign language, we turn up the subtitle, or we turn up the dubbing, and we put on the uh, we turn up any subtitles. We want to hear it in the native tongue, and we watch the middle twenty minutes and try to figure out what's going on. Mm. At the same time, we review local drinks whenever possible, like local breweries and local eateries whenever possible. So today is at podcast episode twenty eight, my friend. Twenty eight. So uh, today's uh, TV show that we reviewed. Is called Subura Blood on Rome, and this is a Netflix production actually, hmm. because when they produce it, they put the like Netflix logo across the little, uh, hmm. uh, 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 what do you call it, picture that 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 shows the show. So we're reviewing that. This is an Italian like thriller, kind of crime thriller sort of show. Um, then the eatery we reviewed is a Madison Cafe and Grill. Which is on 6th Madison Avenue in Crestkill, New Jersey. And they do breakfast fairly late into the day. Like they serve till 12. And they have lunch and dinner menus and appetizers. It's a lot of, uh, it looks like Middle Eastern slash Mediterranean mm. uh, uh, menu also. Which is kind of neat. But we decided to go with the breakfast menus today. And Sean, you had the uh, mascarpone French toast. I did. I had the breakfast burrito, which was with... Eggs and bacon and potatoes and avocado and pepper jack cheese, mm-hmm. so and tomatoes and onions. So it's nicely packed, lovely. Yeah. Um, and the beer, which is usually the the star of our show, is from Omegang Brewery, and we're doing the Abbey Double. Or excuse me, let me say this right: the Abbey Ale Double, which is obviously. Uh, uh, um, Done in the Belgian fashion to be named a double, and it's a eight point two percent ABV with twenty IBUs. Mm-hmm. So, my friend, shall we do as we usually do and crack these suckers open? Indeed, indeed. Okay, let me get the oh, get the sound for the lovely audience, and I'm gonna pour some so we can get a good look at this color. Cause oh yes, ooh, oh yes, ooh, look yes. at this. That's lovely looking. Look at that. Oh. I mean, just the head hmm. looks like something you want, like at a confectionery, and you'd eat it. Yeah, if they, they can make that into like a little kind of popover or something, you know, like a little zeppelin. This looks like whenever you see <clears throat> do, people do pictures of the Harry Potter butter beer. Yes, this is like what the butter beer looks like. <laughs> it is. I mean, it's such a deep amber. It's it's a little bit hazy, but it's such a lovely deep amber. Oh, all right. Well, you know what. I think it's time we um, taste this lovely looking beer. What do you mm-hmm. say? Indeed. All right, folks, cheers. And if you don't cheers. have your own, get it. Oh, wow. Mm. 
Ooh. That's that's a nice beer. That is a good beer. That's a very nice beer. Nice and smooth. It's almost it's almost a little boozy tasting. Mm. Mm. Ooh. <clears throat> that's <clears throat> that's the best beer I've had in 2018. <laughs> Don't curse yourself again. Yeah. <laughs> Don't curse yourself. <laughs> um, let's see what, what do they have anything written on the about what they did it with? No, it's just about port, the rich bouquet for it slowly in the back. Ah, no, here it is. So what do they say about this? Abbey Ale is our take on a Burgundian brew with lively notes of licorice, anise, sweet orange peel, coriander, and cumin, joining with dark malts, inviting you to revel in their complexities. It's very nice. Oof, I'd really like that. It's just sitting in my palate. That is a really nice beer. Isn't it? It, it? You know, it's almost it's almost like a, a, a chocolate liqueur. Mm. Like, and, no, I'm saying that wrong. Almost like a chocolate filled with liqueur. Mm. It's, it's the aftertaste. You know, like when you have one of those, like, it's Cointreau or whatever, just silly booze they put in, and Jack Daniels and it's chocolate, and you eat it, and it's like... And that's that's almost what it's like. It's mm. not as intense, obviously, with the sweet and whatever. But it's a really mellow, like it's almost candyish kind of. It's this is nice beer. Yeah. Well, this is going into my repertoire. This is yeah. This is a very nice beer. Well done, Amagang. Where did this come from? Uh, Cooperstown, New York. Cooperstown, New York. Yes. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. Hmm. Hmm. We might have to get like a second set of bottles of this just to drink it because yeah. screw the show. Who cares? This, yeah. is very, <laughs> this is a very nice beer. That is a nice beer. Oh, man. Very nice beer. Oh, why, oh, why can't someone give me a beer like this when I'm at a Christmas party or an easy <laughs> party? Wait, what if your friends are listening? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they tried. And my New Year's party went to it's my wife's cousins and um, they... It's, well, it's my wife's cousin is the husband and uh, his wife Francesca is also she's great she's, you know she, we, we all love her he's the beer drinker I mean he's not his dad again his dad Uncle Ralph is the famous beer drinker of the family oh, but boy. only famous because he most of the people beer. yeah exactly <laughs> he, he drinks like you know just whatever cans but, he has in his ice <laughs> exactly and they sit outside on the deck in the nice cooler and get all skunky yeah. <laughs> six a minute out of the fridge and but ben like you know he always has like he has one of those refrigerators that um i find curious is when these refrigerators where if you didn't know much about beer uh-huh. you would look at his refrigerator and uh-huh. say this guy must like his beer but as someone who does like beer, I yeah. look at his refrigerator and I'm like, what is going on with your refrigerator? Because he just has like one of a whole bunch of different kinds of weird odd beers. But they're always in there. Right. Because I'm like, okay, and it's like, I don't, what confuses me is like, I would just drink these beers. Right. They just right. sit in his refrigerator. So what he is, is he's someone that somehow people bring him weird beers and then they just sit in the refrigerator uh, and don't get drunk. Yes. Yeah. So there's always these weird collections. Like, so if you find a beer you like at his house, yeah, that's it. 
you have to have a different one, like what? the next one. Yeah, yeah, one, all right, right. You're, you're not repeating that tip. You're not getting two Oma games. No, <laughs> there'll be one, but so it's a bit of a crapshoot. Um, well, which can be fun if, if your mindset is on that and you're expecting it. Yeah. Because that's kind of neat. It's like, oh, that, that's one of the things I used to, uh, when I was working uh, for Bayer slash Siemens, we, a bunch of guys from work, we used to get together just about once a month or every couple of months for like the UFC fights. Mm. And then what we established the rule was, okay, everybody brings some, you can have a standard beer at home, but everybody bring something new to try. Yeah. So, you know, bring a six pack and it's got to be something you've never had before. Or like, or at least the rest of the crew has never had this beer before kind of stuff. Mm. And so we, and it was kind of nice because it was like, oh, what did you find? What did, you know, because we live far apart enough that like the different liquor stores would have different you know, enough of a variation that we'd like, oh, this is a good beer, this is a good beer, this is good, you know, and kind of went through that, and and uh, so that was fun. But um, my big thing with that is, and I, I never say it to people because it's very thoughtful of them to bring something at all. And I had a big barbecue a couple of years ago, and somebody brought a case of. Michelob Ultra. Uh-huh. <laughs> that thing sat in my garage for like three years. <laughs> it was like, and Andy was like, uh, you going to do anything with this? I said, you know what? Next time we cook mutton, I'll use it for the mutton. <laughs> but I mean, <laughs> because that's one of the things, if you don't know, that uh, my mom comes from like sheep country, mountains. She was a shepherd when she was young. And when you're roasting a nice lamb on a spit to get the gamey taste out, you douse it with beer. So if you're cooking it like in a stew in particular, whatever, mm. or, or grilling it, you pour beer over over lamb. Now, a lot of the lamb that you buy, these things are so, you know, uh, fed, such a controlled, like, we're just going to have them eat this grass, you know, the sheep mm. that mom had. These things are just ra- roaming through the fields and the forest and eating whatever mushrooms and whatever they're eating, they're eating kind of stuff. Yeah. So I don't know if that attributes to the gaming taste or not. Someone can email us and correct me on this. But I know that if you pour beer on it, it just it takes out the gaminess of it and just gives it a really nice flavor. Sounds good. The second you said roasting on a spit, I'm like, oh. That's an example of us going, we've gone backwards in technology. Like, screw whatever fucking oven you have. Just, I want to spit. Right. Well, I'm glad, I'm glad you say that. I have a rotisserie for my grill, so I'm, I'm going to have to... Because I did, actually, I, my wife bought me, Annie bought me a smoker last year that I haven't mm. used, but I used this Christmas. Uh, and I smoked a ham, a fresh ooh. ham. Like I got a fresh piece of pork leg, like a 12-pound mm-hmm. piece, and smoked it. Oof. I like dry rubbed the hell out of it, salt, uh... Um, what you call it? Cayenne pepper, garlic, basil. I wow. just I made that and just rubbed it, and then put it to smoke, and it smoked for like some eight hours, and it was just oh thyme. I put thyme on it as well, so it gave it a really nice fragrance. Oh man, I just finished it the other day, like the leftovers <laughs> because it was twelve because we made two ducks and I made like this big ham. Oh, that so good! Wow, so good. So. So yeah, my next one that I haven't tried yet is the rotisserie on the grill. So. Well, I had lasagna for Christmas. <laughs> <laughs> How was that, Sean? Uh, nice. <laughs> nice. <laughs> Christmas Day, I went to a Chinese buffet in Yonkers, New York. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Did you see that thing on, somebody posted on Facebook? 
It was from like a Chinese restaurant. And it said, it was something like, um, I'm paraphrasing here. I don't remember it. I'm not going to go looking for it now. But it was something like, thank you to the Jewish community for, we don't know what your diets are, but we thank you tremendously for frequenting our restaurants on Christmas Day. <laughs> yeah, Cheers. I've seen that. Yeah, your strange customs confuse <laughs> yeah. us or whatever. <laughs> but we thank you for being in our store on Christmas Day. Yeah. I, was, I was dying. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. Pretty much. <laughs> we we were there. We were there um, at this Chinese buffet, and there was a table of guys next to us, and they were Eastern European, uh-huh. some kind. I don't know where they're from, but they were trashed. They were just drinking shitty beer. Kept getting beer brought to them by these these Chinese waiters, and they were fucking gone. <laughs> they were just eating the buffet because my father-in-law pointed out. So we worked with him. He. <laughs> He said, like, uh, they are not paying attention to the little uh, note, the addendum that is on the, the buffet over there, which is, there were crab legs at the buffet. Uh-huh. And there was a little note on there that said, each plate, each buffet plate is entitled to four crab legs. Uh, these guys and are like, any I'll... more than four will it's be charged, charged uh-huh. as per how many you eat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they had just plates. They were just going up and just getting crab legs and drinking <laughs> beer. And they were just, they must have been contractors or something. And they were just trashed on this Chinese beer and the, eating these plates of crab legs. I'm like, oh, that bill is going to be, <laughs> That's gonna be a heavy bill. <laughs> They better be setting out the heavies to bring out that bill. Because these little guys in the waistcoats aren't going to be able to get this Work across. Their head, yeah. Yeah. Uh, that's fantastic. <laughs> nice. Okay, so uh, to our show, I guess, Sabura, Blood on Rome. Mm. So we decided to watch episode one, and it was it was billed as political or thriller intrigue between uh, organized crime, the Vatican, was it, and, and politicians, and crooked politicians, I think it said? Yeah. Yeah, yeah. So... Uh, on so the episode was an hour and two minutes, so thirty-one minutes is the middle. So we start at minute twenty-one. At minute twenty-one, we see a guy, bald, kind of got a little bit of a scruffy beard going. He looks like an academic, I'd say, right, of some sort. He has a little like jacket, like almost like a like a goose jacket on. It seems to be like the fall. And it, it's supposed to be some, it's odd because it's supposed to be like some seaside town, but then like there are shots of it in Rome and Rome is not on the seaside. So it's like, I'm like, all right. And I, I, I did do research on it. I looked into it just because I was looking for something else uh-huh. and I can confirm that what's going on is that Sabura is this seaside town. Okay. And the overriding theme of this whole thing uh-huh. is that the mafia slash politicians slash the Vatican are scheming or planning to build, to take over this small seaside town and build like a Las Vegas style casino resort there. Uh, and okay. the, it, with a front, as a front to be able to use the sea, the dock for drug Smoking import all exports. All right, right, right. Uh, okay. And then the people that are living there are going to all be evicted and lose their everything. Right. Okay. And this is outside of Rome. This is near Rome, but it's outside. And all the politicians, the people with power are in Rome. Right, right, And then, like, the common people are in the seaside town. Okay, gotcha. So, all right. So, we see our academic guy. 
And he walks off. And, of course, it's Rome, so, you know, every other building is an ancient building. And between, like, two columns, there's another guy with glasses, older guy, just kind of looking between the columns. And the music is rather ominous and, and all that. And so our academic-looking guy basically is smoking right away. He's like, cigarettes going. And he's at the bus stop. And the bus pulls up, and you're like, and I was, <laughs> I was kind of like, do they still have smoking on buses <laughs> in Europe? But um, no, he threw the cigarette away, and he gets on the bus. And who's on the bus that sits next to him is the creepy older guy that's staring at him from between the columns. I shouldn't say creepy. He was just like, not ominous, but um, what's the word I'm looking for? Um, Mysterious, I suppose? Yeah, conspicuous. Con- very conspicuous. Yeah, right, right. So he comes in and he starts talking to the guy. And the guy seems perturbed. Oh, so, but the first, the academic guy, he has, like I said, like a little, like a short goose jacket on. He's got like a bag over, slung over the shoulder, kind of over his neck. He has a shirt and tie on, um, and my impression, my second impression, after first impression being this is some kind of academic, is that he's probably some kind of news reporter, mm. and you know, he's investigating stuff, and, and he's coming across yeah, all Yeah, I thought of he shit. was an investigator. My first thought was police officer. No, he, 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 he no. didn't have enough authority, like with, he was entirely too yeah. willing to concede the position of power to others. He's some kind of investigator. I think reporter is probably a good show. Maybe some kind of reporter. Right. Journalist of some kind. Or, like I said, a teacher, academic that maybe investigates Stumble on Stumbled upon something, yeah. He's got that vibe of someone who's like, sort of like a tenacious kind of like... Right, right. A scrappy guy. Yeah, yeah. 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 Think, think Dustin Hoffman in, in All the President's Men or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah. That's him. Right. So, uh, he gets on the bus. Conspicuous guy gets on the bus. And they start talking. <laughs> Oddly enough... Uh, our academic guy looks down, and, and he and the conspicuous guy are wearing the same type of shoes. Like, they're the suede brown kind of booties that are fairly popular these days. And his are kind of all muffed up from a lot of walking. Mm. And the conspicuous guy's is very neat, like unscuffed, you know. This guy doesn't do a whole lot of walking if it's not necessary, or at least not in places where his shoes would get... This is all very Sherlock Holmes of you. I wasn't paying that. I was just like, oh, shoes. You on your hand, Sherlock over here is like, well, I can tell by the dirt on the left-hand side of the shoe that he walks with a slight gait, and, which, which means he probably works in a manual labor, Isn't carries things over his left shoulder. obvious, Watson? You should pay more attention. Yeah. It's obvious, Watson. Obviously. So anyway, yeah. so conspicuous guy says to our academic guy or investigator something, and he actually looks like not quite terrified, but like really worried about the consequences of what this guy tells him. Yeah. Like he he definitely looked worried. Hmm. And then conspicuous guy gets up, gets off the bus, leaves. Next scene, there's a woman, middle-aged woman, probably in her 40s, you know, um, sometimes you can't tell, you know, it's, it's the whole, it's the whole, uh, what is it my wife says, my wife is, is, is half African American. So she always says, oh, you know, a lot of white people, they kind of get leathery and old looking. So, you know, they're probably a lot <laughs> younger than, 
<laughs> so, <laughs> which I'm kind of like, that's a good point. I mean, it, it's not. It's not even that. You know what it is? It's it's the city miles that get to you. You know what I'm uh, saying? It's the hard booze, the smoking, all these things you do. You're still good looking, mm-hmm. but you know it's like you're not fresh looking. You're no. good looking. You know, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. And this is this woman. She's a very very pretty woman. But like I said, for all I know, she might be in her late fifties. In which case, she looks amazing. Oh no, she's not that old. But she looks good. She's a good-looking woman, older woman. Obviously, you're gonna look it up. Uh, yeah, I'm look it up. Now I need to know. <laughs> I need to know. <laughs> look at actress. If you need to know, she was in John Wick too. I know that she had. She that was credit. in John Wick too. She was in John. Wick oh yeah, yeah, I remember you you saying. Oh, maybe we're thinking about a different actress then. Actually, no, I'm not talking about the sister at the shore. Oh, that's who I was thinking you were talking no, about. No, no, no. I'm talking about the woman in the red dress on the bridge yes. with the basilica in the background. Yeah, she is 46. Wow. Hmm. 46? Yeah. Claudia Gerini. She's an Italian actress and showgirl. Yeah, she got city miles on her, dude. Yeah. Mm-hmm. I I would have thought I would have thought her late forties at minimum. Yeah, I would have thought forty nine, and I'd be mm. like, oh okay. But if you had said fifty two, I'd have been she like, she needs okay. some of that Botox, I guess. I, well, anyway, <laughs> she's on the she's on the bridge, and up comes a guy, a young man. Mm-hmm. He has a little like bloodied. Well, it's not bloody. It's not fresh, but it's like a bruise, like under his lip, like someone popped him in the mouth. Handsome young guy. He actually, and I don't know, and she kind of touches him in a very maternal way on the cheek. And they're talking, but there's this, like, uh, almost like uh, 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 tension. Accordion? Yeah, accordion. Yeah, I'm, I'm making squeezy <laughs> motions with my hand, and Sean is helping me out by suggesting that's the accordion. Donald Trump. Yes, that's right. <laughs> Which was a great yeah. meme. I love that one. Yeah. That one, and then my other favorite one is when he made it like was the first executive order, and it's a pickle, and it's a pickle, and it's misspelled. That's my favorite. One. It's like he's all serious. It's like pickle, pickle. So anyway, so she she gives the young guy like kind of a, like a maternal thing, and he's obviously trying to like. They're talking, and she's asking him some stuff. And it's almost like, listen, I don't want to be involved with you because I have my path and blah, 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 whatever. He, he looks very, very uh, straight and narrow, you know, up, upstanding citizen kind of guy. He's got a nice blue blazer on. He's got a gray uh, uh, turtleneck, nice slacks, very well dressed. Like I said, tall, thin, good looking young man chatting mm. with her. Obviously doesn't approve of something she's doing. Mm. And he huffs off a little bit. And she's standing on the bridge looking forlorn. Mm-hmm. Okay. Now, scene three. Scene three is beachside. Some old hut painted with garish colors. Why not? It's on the beach. Where else are you going to paint the house with garish colors, right? And it's a guy very, uh, <laughs> very, uh, with, with the frosted hair. Mm-hmm. I don't know. I mean, it was obviously frosted. But he had very crystal blue eyes, so he was probably a natural blonde anyway. But this is just like highlights in his hair. And he's talking to a girl. And they all got more drooly on them that they know what, you know, it's like if they're in front of you at the fucking airport, fuck them. Because it's a half an hour before all the shit comes off and goes through the metal detector and put it all back on. And it's just like, I just want to get on my flight. But, you know, these two assholes are done up like they're Mr. T. Okay, whatever. 
So anyway, he's talking to this girl. He's kind of walking around, leaning on things. She's sitting down smoking, of course. Her voice is probably a nuance higher than mine. Yeah. And it's just like, okay, this chick started smoking when she was eight. There's yeah. like, there's just good looking girl, good looking woman, right? Mm-hmm. And they're talking back and forth. And um, I don't know, just, just chatting back and forth. He says something to her. She says something to him. She seems to be actually, and I think, I, I don't know the plot, but my guess is she's the older sibling. They're mm-hmm. siblings. Mm-hmm. Their interaction is that. Because at one point he just kind of leans on her and there's no kissy or anything, but she affectionately puts her arms around him, you know, and kind of rubs his back or whatever. And then she go, she leaves and he has this sort of like panic look on his face mm-hmm. after she leaves. Like, okay, I don't know what happened here. Now, where did we go with the scene from there? Did, was it to the preparations for the wedding or was it in the salon with the lady? She's getting her hair done. The lady from the bridge. I think it's... Oh, I don't even remember that. I I think it's the salad. No, 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 no. No, no, no. I'm wrong. It's conspicuous guy is in the office in the Vatican with some cardinal. Mm. Because he's got the little red hat on and he's talking to the cardinal. So you're like, okay, this guy is connected with the Vatican. So Mm -hmm. I don't know what's going on here. So they're chatting and and the cardinal has this, you know, that trope of... The Vatican's involved very, very reluctantly. Mm-hmm. We really don't want money and power. Mm-hmm. We're just here for Jesus. Mm. But if you need to, <laughs> kill the hooker. You know, it's just like, it's, it's like that. If it is at the will of a God. <laughs> if, it, if it so be that your bullet hit her, then so be it. You then know? I shall say a little prayer. <laughs> right, a right. soul shall be saved. Pray to Jesus. Uh, <laughs> right. Yeah. Right. I wipe my hands over this. <laughs> I, I do not want to know this. Uh, Mario, bring me my pasta. Thank you, Mario. <laughs> so... There's that conversation going on between them. And, of course, the other guy who's, I don't know, is he a priest and he's just in his civvies? I, I, I don't know. But he's conveying this to the priest. And the priest, like I said, has that very, uh, if, if so be it, we will do this, you know. Mm-hmm. Then it goes to Our Lady from the Bridge, who I think was talking to her son. And she's getting her hair done. And it's a fancy... Salon, you can see just by the way, like the hairdressers are all dressed, they're all done up to the tees, like they're going to like a New Year's Eve party. And then one of the either hairdressers or one of the people that works in the salon comes over, and the guy's dressed like in a freaking, you know, very fashionable suit. Uh, it's Italy, of course, everyone's dressed to the tees, you know, it's like mm-hmm. in, the, in the day job at least, you know. And he leans over, he whispers something to her, and she kind of gets this look on her face, and she gets up. And she walks into this back room. And who's there? Conspicuous guy. So far, he's the linchpin of the whole episode. Because mm-hmm. he's been in three scenes now, you know. He's like Coulson for the Marvel Universe. Yeah. And he's in this room. And I don't know what purpose this room serves. But there's this... There's, so he's in a chair. And there's another chair kind of opposite from him. But in, in between the two chairs is this giant oval mirror like the size of a house entry door huge oval mirror mm-hmm. with this chair and i was like is this so they can look at their like bits 
or something. I I don't know. I don't know the purpose of this. I mean, you're in a hair salon. What do you need a full length mirror for? And then the chairs there. And all I can think of is like you lift your legs and you inspect your hoo ha, <laughs> your bunghole, <laughs> you know, your twig and berries, and just to see if everything's good there. I have no idea. I I don't go to salons, so I don't know. I don't know what the purpose of this mirror is. It's a good thing you don't go to salons. <laughs> it's a good thing, yeah, because I've been checking my hoo ha. Oh, you got one of those big mirrors. <laughs> <laughs> so. <laughs> <laughs> Sir, please, please. No, no, no. <laughs> I am so now. This is my assignment now. By the end of the year, I'm going to find a salon that has this big mirror and check myself in it. Oh, no. <laughs> Hashtag me too. <laughs> Wait, so you're going to do it with me? <laughs> no, 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 no. <laughs> so, anyway. <laughs> So then it goes. So a uh, conspicuous guy talks to our woman and tells her stuff. I, I thought I heard mafia somewhere in there. Yeah. The word in there. Mm. And she, and then he leaves. And then she looks all uh, uh, forlorn and lost. And like you said <laughs> at the end of it, it's like, have you ever had a conversation where at the end of it you just turn away and look up into the corner of the room. And that was the look that she did. She just like turned her head and it was like, there is a cobweb in that corner. Someone should kill that spider. Yeah. And it was just like this total, except like a little more wide-eyed and a little more like, whoa my God, what will happen now? It's that weird thing that happens with actors and acting where it's like, they don't realize, when you break these things down, it's like, your brain isn't capable of doing all these things you think it is when you're acting. You, you think the brain is this mad thing that can do all these things at the same time and be really interesting. It's like, no, it can't. No. It really can do one thing at a time. No, really. Either you're looking at something in the corner because your mind is blank right. and you're actively w- looking at this thing because you can't think of what to think of right. or you're so trapped in your own head that you're thinking of something and your eyes are just, just not focused on anything. Right, right, right. Like, it's one or the other. You're not staring intently at something because there's something in your head and you're just staring at the wall. Right. That's just, your brain is no, too much. No, right, right, right. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. So, from there, oh, we go back to the academic. Mm. And he's in some public square. And the scene opens with, there's a bunch of people and they look very official. Like, they're all politicians. And there's... I think six people, it was like three guys, three women, and the academic approaches, and he's standing there kind of like he's waiting for one of them. Sure enough, one of the women separates from the pack, comes to talk to him. And they have this like heated but controlled exchange where he's criticizing her. First of all, he's criticizing like a bunch of people. He called him some kind of name or something like, Mm. I think it's like, oh, is this the new guard? Because I thought I heard like, you know, because like you said, they spoke 8 million miles an hour and there's no way that there was anything legible. They're lying to us. They they just like gave all these actors methamphetamines to say, speak Italian. all I had. Mario gets around. (laughs) (laughs) Nah, it's a me. (laughs) So anyway, so um, they have this, like I said, heated but controlled exchange. And he's, it's almost, to me, it was like he was demanding some information from her. Mm. And she was just basically like, I can't just, you know, you uh, 
go ask him about your cockamamie theories or whatever it is. Yeah, that makes sense. I think maybe he they worked together in the past or they knew each other maybe romantically ex, or ex, ex, right, something. ex-wife or something. Yeah, 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 right, yeah. right, 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 right. Because he touched her at one point. He grabbed it, went to her arm in a way that it wasn't like like they obviously weren't close then but right. in a way that I feel like you would that do familiar. to someone you knew in the past right 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 and she reacted in a way that was not like well, get your hands off me it was yeah. like <sighs> yeah know. yeah it was like why are you pestering me right yeah yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. so um, so she kind of my my guess is that she kind of gave him a alright I'll see what I can do kind of mm-hmm. response then from there we went to was it the party preparation for the wedding with the gypsy boy yet? Or was it... Was was it... Oh, yes, yes, yes. That's right. Right. So our young man from the bridge shows up, pulls up in front of a boxing MMA Muay Thai place. Mm. And he goes in. And who's there? It's the blonde guy from the beach house. Mm. And he's hitting the heavy bag. And the young, the young good-looking guy is like... Well, let, let me qualify that. They're all good looking. Every, so far, everybody's good looking. Yeah. Like, even the, like some of the old biddies in, in the wedding are, are good looking. You yeah. know, it's like, yeah, they're obviously in their like 60s, 70s, but they're good looking people. You know, you can yeah. tell like when, when they were young, they were good looking people. <laughs> Everyone's good looking. So, um, the, the, the young man, the, str- the, the, the very uh, straight, narrow young man, is talking to the blonde guy that you like appropriately dubbed uh, uh, Italian Rutger Hauer, or no, you called him. I'm sorry, Duran Duran Rutger Hauer, and yeah. that was pretty much right on. Um, <laughs> and he's going, "Scusi, scusi, scusi," and he's asking, and I guess he's asking him if he's whoever he is supposed to be. Mm-hmm. And then the guy replies to him, and the next thing you know, the two of them are in the ring. The 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 young man from the bridge has his jacket off and uh, a pair of boxing gloves on, and Duran Duran Rutger Hauer is sparring with him. And he's throwing punches at him. Throwing, and of course, the young guy is just flinching, and he doesn't know what he's doing. because. So my guess is Duran Duran Rutger Hauer said, all right, if you go into the ring with me, I'll answer your questions. Yeah. People so, do that a lot in films. That's one of those things where it's like, they're like, I'll answer your questions, but... You're not going to disrupt my routine. Yeah, yeah, You yeah. can get in and train with me. I'd be like, no, no, no you just answer my questions. <laughs> Here's $20, you know? Fuck yeah. you then, I'm gone. <laughs> right. So anyway, he's like slapping him around and it's almost like older brother picking on younger brother. Like, why are you hitting yourself? Why are you hitting yourself? Right. Not quite that. And then finally, he's, he's taunting the young guy enough that the young guy goes, ah, and punches the dude. Yeah. And obviously, he doesn't know how to punch. He doesn't punch very hard. Because the guy just like goes... And he has a look, surprised look on his face. And he says something <clears> like... <throat> oh, my guess is he says something like... Ha! Huh, I didn't know you had it in you. Blah, blah. And then flinches at the guy again. Makes the young man flinch. And then he laughs and goes... Ha, ha, ha. And then they leave the ring. Okay. From there, we go to the seaside again. With the sister... Going to the father, or whoever that guy was. Fat guy, fat old oh, yeah, Italian yeah, yeah. guy, getting a pedicure mm-hmm. at the seaside. And she walks over, and she sits down, and she's chatting with him. And uh, they're talking back and forth. 
He dismisses the pedicure woman. And she's she's obviously has some concerns. And I mean, at this point, we don't know for sure, but I'm like, okay, this is the mafia portion hmm. of the show. She's definitely a mafioso, just the way she's dressed. That's the way. She's too cool, too calm, too collected, too together with all... It, it, well, I shouldn't say... It, it's too together and too relaxed at the same time. You know, she's just dressed casually, but she expects people to reply to her. You know, she expects shit to get done. I mean, mm. it's just her whole demeanor. So she's talking to this guy, and I'm thinking, I don't know if it's necessarily her father, but it's some authority figure, some capo, some boss, whatever. And I, I believe I caught somewhere in there that he tells her, they're talking, and he puts his hand on her cheek, kind of like, don't worry about it. And then he says to her, don't tell your brother about this. Hmm. At least that's what I think I caught. And she looks a little bit worried. Now, from here, it goes to, that's right, it goes to, it shows a house, a lot of preparation. Older women are in the kitchen, like, butchering a carcass and getting it ready for cooking it and festivities. And there's fish and there's, like, cider ribs. and. This looks like, an, to me, this is, looks like an English olive oil commercial. I don't know if you have my hair, but in England, we have these commercials that for Olivio olive oil and also Batoli, which is uh, spread, yeah, that have uh, <laughs> these like racist Italian, uh, <laughs> like Mediterranean houses with these like chubby women like walking around in petticoats, and be like, aha, da, 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 da. and it's like a Livio, Olivio, olive oil. And it's all just like it's yeah. authentic. It's so authentic. Yeah, <laughs> live forever. <laughs> One of, one of the ladies in my uh, troop is Italian from Italy. I'm sure she has something to say about that. Because when someone throws a stereotype at her, she just like gives a skating look like asshole. Yeah. So anyway. Um, so it's a house. A bunch of old women like getting food ready. And a guy comes in and he looks like a total peacock. And he's got the... He's got the... Almost like a full hawk, where his head, uh, the, sh the sides of his head are shaved down, and he's got like big, thick hair, and then it comes down to a point in the back. So it almost looks like a rooster tail or, or, or something. It looks like hair. a football player. It looks well, like Neymar or something. Yeah, yeah, which is just like guys getting haircuts. Yeah. Um, uh, yeah, and he's got like a couple of gold chains, and he's just like, oh my god, is this like what an Italian hip hop guy looks like? Because it, that, that's kind of the vibe that you're getting. Yeah, and uh, he says in exchanges a couple of words with one woman and she says something to him and she comes up to him and she grabs him and starts holding him very affectionate my guess is this is her son gives him a hug gives him a kiss okay that's that and he leaves he goes mm -hmm. then where do we go from there is him in the car? Is that the next? Does it go straight from that to being does in the car? Does it go car? straight to the car from there? Not sure. Or, or does uh, Duran Duran Rutger Hauer have his meltdown yet? Mm, I don't know. I feel like it's in the car where he goes to the pickup spot. I feel like that happens before. Mm. Maybe not. Well, but, uh, yeah, no, 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 I think you're right. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think. See, this is, this is the thing. This, it's, it's funny to look at the various 
And I mean, I guess part of it has to do with like what type of show it is, but culturally, how like the various things are set up. So the stories are all kind of told linearly, right? Mm. It's like one of the reasons why Pulp Fiction was such a huge hit because it was not said in a linear fashion. It was just like, you know, the stories were fairly simple, but because they were disjointed, it was just like, oh, this is so cool. You know, yeah. kind of like, go back, go back. It was kind of fun. This this Italian show is very structured. The storytelling is very straightforward. Mm. I mean, it's almost too boring to have sat through it because the connections are starting to clear up right away. Yeah. We don't speak the language. Now, granted, you looked up and, and said the whole background of what's going on. Even if you didn't, we wouldn't know. It's like, okay, some conspiracy obviously is going on. Mm-hmm. Something's happening and these people are tied into it. With the Spanish soap operas, there was so much stuff going on. But I, I guess probably because it was especially Pasión de Gavilanes. It was like, what, what is happening right now? I don't, <laughs> I don't know. Was, I, I think actually speaking of that, Tommy was so... Got his ideas from watching Spanish soap operas. That might be that might be the case <laughs> because that was just so so. It, it's it's just interestingly interesting for me to see how the in, in the different cultures it's like they all more or less follow the formula, right? It's like the storytelling formula for television for whatever. But it's in, the choices of what's happening and how much is being revealed is interesting. Mm-hmm. You know what was it? The one uh, and we passed by it when we were scrolling. Uh, Oh, I forget the name, but it was the, the the Turkish show that we watched where like nothing happened. Oh, yeah. It was the chick talking to her like brother yeah, and then yeah, having yeah. tea and keep on like turning away the the waiter for the tea, and it was nothing happened. Yeah, it was just people chatting. And it was just like okay, I they're just talking. I I can't pull any rhyme <laughs> or reason from this at all. So it, it's just yeah. You know what? I I, I wouldn't be surprised if some I don't know sociologist major or something decided you could write a paper on this just watch a bunch of different shows mm-hmm. and, and analyze it and see what's going on and, and how it like compares to whatever yeah no it's, yeah that's true that is, it is it is it is kind of interesting i i did hear I, the internet said that this show apparently this is like this is like a, the italian's version of narcos apparently it's quite a big hit a lot of people watching it oh. so it seems a lot of people a lot of these things we watch you know, Westerners or Americans are watching, like you know, obviously with subtitles or whatever. Yeah, yeah. And are actually watching and enjoying, like you know. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Unironically, so like a, a lot of these, <laughs> a lot of these things are apparently like good. Like if you know well, what's going on. Well, yeah. Well, well you know, what? absolutely. And um, well, it's kind of like the big thing in the city now is like when K-pop bands come up, come in. <laughs> yeah. I was just like one one of the guys who was in Rhinoceros with me. He said, ah, I saw a K-pop band last night. I was like, what, what, what? There's a K-pop band performing in New York City? It's like, yeah, it was a fantastic show. I'm like, <laughs> all right. Yeah, I, but, but you know what? That, at the same, it's kind of like the food thing. Mm. I enjoy that. That's great. Everyone's kind of open to other people's cultures and you're enjoying it. You know, That's actually, you, you asked me the best thing about Netflix, that they brought in all these foreign shows and people just go like, well, let me see what the hell this is, you know, because... Yeah. So you'll have a hit show like The Big Bang Theory. Okay, great. But then what? You know, they're all kind of cookie cutter and they all try to follow each other. And then you wait until a quote-unquote new set of characters comes and captures your attention with this great new sitcom when they're all just the same character more or less over and over and over again. So you get fed up with it and then you watch something that's like super kooky. 
Like yeah. Subot. Yeah. And he's I still laugh. Every time I hear Subot or I say Subot, all I picture is the corpse dropping in front of the dude and him just like, eh. Huh. <laughs> it's Tuesday. <laughs> it's just like, eh. oh, that's only one of like 400 episodes that exists. <laughs> oh. <laughs> well, one of these days, maybe we should do that for like the, the, the final four or something mm-hmm. and just do like a, a favorite breakdown and talk about which shows were our favorite Yeah, and, and break it down for, for you know, which one we think is the best? I mean, because mm-hmm. there's a lot of them that we've said, like, oh yeah, we want oh, yeah, this. Yeah, yeah. Yeah. You know what? We're, we're, I'll, I'll, I'll set that up. We'll, mm-hmm. we'll, we'll get a whole bracket and and put like <laughs> the various shows and put them against each other. So. Yeah, yeah, no, that's good idea. I like that. So <sighs> it's funny you said about K-pop just then. I, I read an article the other day about K-pop. Apparently, they're like they're like in slavery. <laughs> it was an article about. Oh, is K-pop it like NSYNC all over again? Yeah. yeah, it's like K-pop artists are like in indentured servitude. Like, you know, it's like the worst thing going. Like, they're but, in these contracts that... But yeah, that's, 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 I mean... That was they make no was, money. <laughs> I was going to say, that was the whole point of like NSYNC and, and mm. those guys. When What's-His-Face is... Uh, who ended up going to jail anyway? Um, oh, I can't think of his name. Perlman? Was he Perlman? Oh, I have no idea. Anyway. But, um, yeah, because he was like starting to put out those... Uh, Boy bands, like, almost, he had a new one every other week. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't remember if the Backstreet Boys started with him or not. But I know there was NSYNC, and then there was O-Town or something like that. And forget what's it, American, what's English. It was like Another Level, like 911. I don't know which is English, what's American. Um, and, yeah, all those ones. So, yeah, th- th- I mean, they pick them. It's kind of like uh, uh, what New Kids on the Block was. Mm. What uh, uh, um, oh, why am I blanking now on the other one? New Edition was, you know, where some producer comes along, he auditions a bunch of kids, see if they can like sing. It's like all right, and then even then, the the guy who did find like New Kids on the Block and New Edition, he says they don't have to sing a lick. Yeah. They just have to look right. They have to move right. If they can like keep rhythm and like dance around and just like that's all I need. And I mean. When you see the kind of money that these kids were making when they like first came out, it was ridiculous. Uh-huh. I mean, and In Sync, I guess, was the one that broke the mold because they're like, "Wait a minute!" It's like we're making how much money, and we're seeing how little. But you know, that's the whole recording industry too. Mm. I remember years ago, I was in college still, and there was like MTV did a thing about like the life of the quote unquote like you know superstar or whatever, and they were doing Tribe Called Quest. And in terms of record sales, they were huge. And hip-hop wasn't quite what it is now, mm. you know. Um, and they had a gold album? Gold album. So, it, you know, it was like, they sold some 650,000 copies of an album, which you'd think, like, fucking hey, these guys, these guys are set for life. Apparently, when it was all said and done, so, you know, you're paying for... Uh, lawyers, you're paying for accountants, you're paying for the director for the video, you're paying for the video. You know, it's like all these things that the uh, the music studio wants you to do mm-hmm. to like market and promote whatever. So after the sales of the albums, it was so six something like six hundred. I, I I could be getting the numbers wrong. Six hundred fifty thousand copies sold, and back then an an album you know to buy a CD was. Twelve, thirteen dollars, right? And um, so, quite a bit of money. 
they ended up with $39,000 each. There was three guys in the band at the time. Yeah. So they ended up with, you know, $117,000 to split amongst the three of them mm-hmm. when everything was said and done from the album sales. Yeah. <laughs> at 650,000 albums at like $11 a pop. So you're talking about, you know, or $12 a pop, whatever. You're talking about $7 million and you ended up with 100000 mm-hmm. Yeah, that's pretty... You know, and then they're like wondering why Chance the Rapper doesn't, you know, who won a Grammy doesn't want a recording contract. What the hell for? Mm-hmm. And a buddy of mine at work, he's he's always been in bands and his, his older band, for a while they were doing uh, really good. I used to follow him with the older band. He's in another band now that's actually gotten some good recognition. Um, oh, crap. And I'm forgetting the name of it now. That's embarrassing. Of the band. But they've been on uh, Little Steven's uh, 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 Serious Show. They've been picked like best garage band a couple mm-hmm. of times now. Um, and he he was saying one time there were at some shindig and there was like record, uh, some record executive lady was there. And she was chatting to them. And, you know, when they would go do their own shows or whatever, after they already paid off all their recording costs and printing the, the CDs or whatever, at the shows they would give their CDs to people for five bucks. Yeah. You know, it was like five dollars here. And the woman said to him, we don't sign any band unless they've sold 400,000 records. And he was kind of like, if we go to shows and sell them for 10 bucks a pop, what the hell do I need you for? Yeah. Because at this point, I have $4 million. You know, like there's four of us. We each got a million dollars in our account. Why would we need a recording company or a contract from you guys at all? And it was just kind of like, I don't sign them unless you so like, what? So, it's, so it's, it was basically madness. It's yeah, like, yeah. okay, we're just in here to make the money. You're going to get peanuts. And I mean, and this is one of the reasons why these bands, like the touring bands, if you ever wonder why the Who and you know Stones keep touring, because they make enough money to last them for 100 years on a tour. Yeah. Because the way the tour money works, and you probably know this, is you keep half the house money. Mm-hmm. Now, you have to pay your road crew and transportation and all this other shit, sure. But, I mean... Shit, MC Hammer was selling out Giant Stadium for three nights in a row. It's like, you know, Springsteen will do like what? A five, six night stand, you know. Oh, yeah. You know, and that's 70,000 people. You know, and that's not $20 a ticket anymore. The nosebleeds are probably 60. Yeah. You know, and God God only knows what the freaking front rows are. Yeah, I mean, Billy Joe... Billy Joel, who's got uh, however much in like alimony or whatever, he probably has to pay. You think about his expenses and like his mansions in Long Island and yep. the apartment in the city or wherever else he's got and all the crazy expenses he must have. He, he's basically his only job apart from any of the royalties he makes, which is probably not as much as you think because record contract is once a month. He does a gig once a month. No, apparently, apparently, well, he writes all his music. Mm. That's where the money comes in. Uh-huh. So the ones like Britney Spears, yeah. mm, that's why Britney Spears is in Vegas, because she's keeping all that money, yeah. you know, uh, Britney Spears, e- even Beyonce for that matter, but you know, Beyonce is such a star that she puts her name down, so she's getting that, that, that owner, like I wrote that song credit, and I heard uh, an interview with Rick James, because they were talking about that with MC Hammer, because mm-hmm. he was saying, uh, they were saying like, well how did Hammer, oh, they asked him like, did it bother you with the money? He said no because every time, every time uh, can't touch this like played, I got eighty five cents on the dollar. 
And they're like, whoa, what? He said, yeah, I got 85 cents on the dollar. Hammer and his, his, his uh, music studio got, you know, 15 cents. They're like, so that, that's what the writer deal is. Right. And they were like, how did he get so much money? He said, he sold out stadiums and you keep half the tickets of that. Yeah. And that's where the money comes in. And that's why these guys touring. Anyway, we diverted into a music uh, business lesson. I'm sorry. <laughs> I just find it... I, I, no, it's interesting. One of the reasons why I find it... Actually, right now I'm reading uh, uh, Phil Collins' um, memoir called Not Dead Yet. Oh. And it's really a lot of fun. I, I'm really... I'm going to lend you the book when I'm done. Oh, okay. It's really a lot of fun. Because I've read a few of the musicians like uh, and, and stars or whatever. And I like to read their, their memoirs and see like yeah. from their point of view what it's like. And, you know, if they're like written with, then I'm like, eh. You know, I want to see you write it because... Uh-huh. It's it's unvarnished. It's it's so, but yeah. So that, that's why music and the music industry has been in my head a lot because I've been reading this stupid. Uh, well, it's not stupid. It's a fun one. I'll, I'll lend it to you. It's really fun. It's really interesting to see, like all the things and just how did Susu Studio come to pass? He said it just. <laughs> it's in there. Well, actually, what was revealing to me was all the details about Genesis mm-hmm. because the common theory was. Peter Gabriel left, or they kicked him out, and they brought Phil Collins in. No. Phil Collins auditioned for Genesis, like, way back in the early 70s, and was their drummer, and they were all in the band together for, like, seven years or something like that, seven, eight years, and then Peter Gabriel was like, I want to go off on my own. And they're Mm. like, all right. And then they were going to audition for another singer, and none of them could kind of do the stuff that they were doing, because they were like an experimental band more than anything. Yeah. They were huge in, in the UK, or they got huge. And it was like, and Peter Gabriel was like a very theatrical, he was like Alice Cooper on stage. You know, so, and it was the 70s. Everybody was trying to, you know, one-up each other with the showmanship and whatever. And mm-hmm. it's kind of like how Freddie Mercury kind of got out of that with the whole, like, so, and everybody was writing these, like, 12-minute songs and shit. Like, you know, they were basically making, like, little rock operas. Everybody, that was what everybody was doing. And he said, like, he and Peter were, like, fast friends, you know, it was like, he said whenever he, he'd have this really dry sense of humor and he'd be his stooge and just be like kind of silly for him. It's like, and he said, and they're all still friends. Like the band is all still friends, you know. Of course, like when you, you know, because he came in, but the other guys in the band were friends in, like through school, like mm-hmm. through childhood. And he was just like, oh, yeah, no, we're, we're. Someone stole someone's shtick because I'm always listening to like Peter Gabriel or Phil Collins and I'm like, which one is this? I'm like, they both sound like the same guy to me. Like, the well, songs that, they write and their voices. Their voices are in particular. Exactly their the voices same. are so. It's like Phil Collins listened to Peter Gabriel singing and just like copied. Well, they were, they've been in a band for seven years. Yeah. I mean, but, but Phil Collins was like an actor, a kid actor, and a stage mm. kid, like doing Oliver. He was the, uh, he was the Artful Dodger. Uh, I remember that story, yeah. So, you know, he, he was a sing, he sang on stage, so that wasn't. But yeah, the fact, I mean, that to me, that was always like, I always used to wonder, how did Genesis find two guys with almost the same quality of voice? Because you don't hear that kind of, it's like this metallic little thing that they got going on. And it's really neat. I really enjoy the voice. Mm. And I'm like, how did they get two guys with the same? Yeah. But um, for that matter, when he went solo, Peter Gabriel, he'd have Phil play drums on a bunch of his albums. Huh. Interesting. So it wasn't... I mean, they're all hanging out. They're all collaborating. It, like I said, it's a really interesting book. I'm going to lend it to you to read when you realize just 
how many of these guys just all hung out all the time. Mm-hmm. Because it was London, it was the 60s and the 70s, and everything was happening, and they all knew each other. Phil Collins the only uh, person to appear within uh, two parts or aspects of the uh, Band-Aid Do They Know It's Christmas song. Both played the drums and sang in that song. A the only person to do double duty. There was and did both the Live Aid gigs, was like flying between them. <laughs> he, he apologizes profusely for that, apparently. Yeah. <laughs> but, but yeah, a whole bunch of interesting stuff with that. Especially mm-hmm. the whole, because he... Um, apparently he played drums for the quote-unquote Led Zeppelin reunion. Ah. And it was awful. Mm-hmm. And Led Zeppelin did not let Live Aid use that footage. Ooh. <laughs> because apparently Paige was like drooling on stage. Like literally. Oh, God. <laughs> yeah. You know, like I said, I'm gonna let you, you're going to love the book. Yeah. You're going to really enjoy the book. It's It's really a lot of fun. I'm, I'm like zip, I have yeah. I have a play to memorize, but I'm like yeah. zipping through this book. <laughs> so yeah, yeah. Huh. yeah. So anyway, all right. Back to the back to the uh, 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 Sabura. So where do we last le- uh, left? Where do we leave off last? Oh, sister talking to the mafioso boss. Then the scene went to. Oh no no, we did sister talking to mafioso boss. Then we went to the 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 kid looking like the soccer player and his mm-hmm. mom giving him a hug. And then you're right. He gets in his uh, in a Lamborghini. You're like, how the fuck does this guy have a Lamborghini, you know? Mm-hmm. And he pulls up to a spot and there's what looks like a bunch of young gay men hanging out. And this is obviously a pickup joint. And so one of the young, young men comes down and he's being all like seductive and saying stuff and whatever. And... and uh, well, he comes up when the guy rolls his window down. And then the young man, the, 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 the peacock football player, is looking at him, looking at him. And then he looks furious all of a sudden. And he rolls up his window. Mm. And he drives off. And the young gay guy basically like, well, fuck you, asshole, kind of stuff. Yeah. Then it goes back to... Ah, then they show like a poorly lit lab slash office slash I don't know what it is and there's our mafioso girl with a cash counting machine and she's sorting the cash through it and there's a guy standing behind her and Duran Duran Rutger Hauer comes in and he talks to her and he's chatting to her about something or another and she's talking to him and this is like a little bit of a uh, uh, intense conversation like what's what's Mm -hmm. happening and then he looks all of a sudden like he's going to start crying, and he leaves. And she looks all super concerned. And then from there, they show the procession, all the like fancy cars show up. And there's this Porsches, and, and which realize it's like a gypsy wedding. Or mm-hmm. we, we figured it was a gypsy wedding later. And there's all these guys, they're all done up to the T. And the one guy goes to another guy. It's obviously some families meeting for some reason or another. What's happening? And it's a big festive atmosphere. Then it goes to our peacock boy who's dressed up in a powder blue suit. And he's in a bar getting shots. Mm -hmm. Like somebody's giving him shots. And he's just taking shots. Yeah, and he's in a powder blue tuxedo with a, a blue top hat, which... 
I'll mention your comment later, which was very funny, actually. So, uh, then we go back to, from there, it cuts back to Duran Duran, Rutger Hauer. They show the beach house, Mm -hmm. and he's in there, and he's walking around, and all of a sudden he's having like a, like an anger meltdown, and ah! And then he grabs a chair, and he starts just like bashing shit, and throwing shit around. And I mean, this was his house, but it looked like a dilapidated old warehouse, with just all sorts of tchotchkes and shit everywhere. Like, there was... It didn't look like there was any, like, furniture to sit on. Mm. So he has some tragic meltdown and starts just bashing shit all over the place. And then you see Peacock Boy pulls up with his Lamborghini next to the procession. And he walks up. He walks into the... He walks into the festivities. The festivities have already started. There's some kind of big gypsy thing. And he walks in and he's drunk, visibly, mm-hmm. right? And he's walking, he's kind of stumbling. He walks in, and you correctly said, like, oh, look, it's the Italian Willy Wonka. (laughs) Which he very much looked like it, especially the shot was of from behind him, following him, with his big top hat, and he's kind of wobbling all over the place, and it's like, is he going to start handing out candy? I don't know, what's happening? Yeah. And then he's there, and he looks furious, and you see his mom, who earlier comforted him, and his dad is there, and his dad's got this hard ass, like, you know, look, like, okay, just, you know, mm-hmm. what are you gonna do here? And so the young guy is just staring at his dad, and then he does this big flourish, takes off his hat, he bows to the other guy, the taller guy, bows to him, and then he calls for the music. And they're speaking in, we don't know what, because there are subtitles in Italian. Mm-hmm. So that's why we were sort of like, okay, these must be gypsies or whatever. So whatever language they're speaking. And uh, he starts dancing and everyone's like, ah, this is great. And then what we realize is like, oh, this is a wedding. This is a joining of families. He's gay. He doesn't want any part of it. And then the pretty young girl comes out. She looks to be 16, 17 years old, maybe. I mean, she doesn't look older than that. Yeah, she's young. Yeah. Yeah. So she walks out in this gorgeous red dress, beautiful young thing, and she walks up to him and she gives him a kiss, and everyone's cheering. Of course, he looks like a dead fish. Yeah. Like, this is the absolute last thing that he wanted was a woman to kiss him on the lips. Mm-hmm. Like, no desire. And as we know, he was trying to get some, you know, male hoo-ha business going on, <laughs> you know. So, and that was our 20 minutes. Yeah. Yeah. So, well, before before we we kind of know what's going on here, but well, actually, not really. We don't quite know what's going on, but mm. we'll we'll make, draw those connections. In the meantime, why don't we review our goodies today? Yes. So let's let's go with the food first from Madison Cafe and Grill. You had the mascarpone French toast, and I had the breakfast burrito. Mm. What would you give your uh, French toast, sir? Um, it was good. I you know I enjoyed it. It was it was as it said on the it was, you know, it was on the move for it was um. I'd say I'd give it a 3.7. 3.7, um, okay. It was, yeah. it was good, you know. It was... Um, That's a good French toast. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, you know, there could be a little more to it. It's very, very plain. It was literally just French toast and, you know, mascarpone. That was really it. And, but that's, you know, I thought that sounded nice. It was good. Okay. I've had better. I've had okay. worse. Right. But um, 3.7, that's a solid grade. No, yeah. Okay. Uh, yeah, I had the breakfast burrito. Um, like I said, it come, it came with like... Scrambled eggs, potatoes, tomatoes, onions, bacon, avocados, which was a nice touch. Hmm. Um, 
It comes with mayo. I asked it without mayo because then that's like too sloppy. It's like, why do I need mayo and oil? I got enough grease in here. I don't, yeah, need, yeah. I don't need mayo. You know? <laughs> I don't need eggs and oil on top of my head. Yeah. Thank you. But, um, but it was nice. I mean, in terms of it, it, it was... Um, the, the only real tick I had against it is the way they sliced the burrito. He sliced it at an angle. Ah. Uh. Which I'm like, there's eggs and potatoes and nothing of a cohesive nature in here. Yeah, yeah. Why would you make it so that when you pick it up, one end is like an inch long yeah. and all <laughs> of this just falls out like it's in a funnel? <laughs> I was just like, that's the stupidest thing I've ever Like, it should have been cut down the middle if you're going to cut it at all. Yeah. Because that's the whole point of the burrito is to hold all the beans and rice in yeah, it so yeah. you can, it doesn't spill everywhere. So that was my only take. I mean, it was good. It was nothing special. Again, part of it is it traveled. Mm. And, you know, breakfast foods, like potatoes, they don't really travel well. So, but I, I, I would definitely... As would, you can imagine, Sir Walter Raleigh probably found out firsthand. Probably. I would do... That's when they tried fucking smoking the potato, first of all. <laughs> like, what is this? Oh, you think you smoke it? I just smoke it? <laughs> and there, was, there was a good, like, five-year period where the Tudors of England were smoking potatoes. It was the new hip thing. Everyone was smoking potatoes. Until someone was like, why are we doing this? Well, there was... <laughs> you uh, tried to eat this? There was Gwyneth of Tudor who decided to stick the potato in her, you know what, <laughs> and tried to sell that as a fast. Yeah, thing to all the ladies of the tutors, but mm. it, it didn't pick up because people had common sense. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, I'd give it a 3.8 for the burrito. Now, for our Abbey Ale Double from Omegang, which I thought was quite mm. delicious. Oh, yeah. What do you say, sir? Yeah, this was great. This was really nice. Um, this. Ooh. Wow. Um. I would give this a 4.6. Oh, okay. High grades. It's high. I really liked it. I thought it was really, really good. Yes. Um, That's great. Pretty much the only way I would ever give it more is just more of it, I guess. It's quite a small <laughs> bottle. Like, I'd probably like, you know, a style of it. Yeah, like, like, yeah, that'll hit the spot. Um, but I really like this. There's really not much to dislike about it. No, right. Um this is right on my street. This is a very, very okay. Nice. Yeah, I I'm all right with you. I I'd give this I'd give this a four point five. It's it's just like you said. It's nothing not to like about mm. it. I mean, is it quite that? Oh my god, beer. No, but it's pretty damn close mm. because the 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 complexity of it, the flavor of it, it's sweet but not cloyingly so. It's the spices in it are just nice. It's smooth. It's the color is gorgeous. It's this is just a really really nice beer. I I highly recommend this beer to people. Mm. Yeah. yeah, this is the sort of beer that if I was in if I was a brewer and I was a microbrewer and I brew beer and I stumbled upon this one day, I would be pissed. I, I'd be like, oh shit, <laughs> fuck. It's a good beer. It's a it's damn like, good beer. It's gonna take twenty more beers before I get to anything like this again. <laughs> Speaking of which, uh, the the guys at the elementary are releasing their Dortmunder Lager, another one, oh, which last year was amazing. I know you're not a big fan of lagers, but yeah. I am. And the one, the Dortmunder Lager that they had last year, I I couldn't get enough of it. It was so good. Mm-hmm. So, but they're they they gave it a name this time, and I can look it up and see what the name was. And they have it in uh, the four packs as well. So, oh, okay, or six packs. 
six pack, six packs, I think they're doing. Yeah. So, but anyway. Okay, so those are our grades for the beer. And now, what's going on here, my friend? What do you think is happening in Subura Blood on Rome? What is happening in Subura Blood on Rome? Um... Uh, I think that, um, this is a complicated one. This it, is it a complicated is. one yeah, to try yeah, and, sure. and try and string, uh, string something together Okay. with, I feel like maybe, uh, I feel like that big mirror has more in play than we realized. I feel like maybe that big mirror is what ties this whole thing together. Somehow. You think so? Like a magic looking glass? Yeah. You think? Yeah, maybe it's some kind of like, you know. Or just like a get smart like door to a hidden chamber or something. No, I think more of like a, yeah, like a, a some kind what's, of. What, what, what's the mirror from Harry Potter? The, the, the mirror of remembrance or whatever it was. The one you look into it and you see what you always wanted. Um... Oh, I can't remember what that I'm was. sure Angela or Amy are gonna if they hear this episode are gonna yell at me and how do we not know this? Yeah. I don't know. I feel like that mirror's got something to I feel like maybe there were the the, the like you know, evil gypsies lived inside the mirror world and then somehow crept out of the mirror world. With all the money? With all the all the Well, they're gypsies. They didn't have money, but they had their they had their superhuman uh, craftiness and cheap lies and uh, stealing <laughs> skills <laughs> and they came across money what? it's an old rule you have a gypsy you put him in a room for 10 minutes and by the time you leave he has everything and you have nothing I mean that's <laughs> wow wow I, wow okay you know <laughs> yeah yeah not all fair and you did some body work on your car for like four thousand dollars and you you drive two feet and the whole thing falls to pieces wow <laughs> I, I i hear there are members there's a position available in the cabinet you know <laughs> yeah you know the, right all those tactics where they say that they're gonna you know put some asphalt down on your driveway and what they do is just dump a bunch of fucking shit on your driveway and then say it's gonna cost you twice as much for us to clear it off again. <laughs> okay, I like your take on it. No matter how you can tell, I'm a big fan of the uh... ethically insensitive that was. <laughs> wow. I mean, look. <laughs> <laughs> I think maybe you should stop on your head. <laughs> I'm just saying, somewhere along the line, Hitler had some bad work done in one of his matches. <laughs> Christ. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> wow, <laughs> that one I did not see coming. <laughs> Holy shit! <laughs> <laughs> this is gonna cut down our uh, listenership of uh, gypsies. Gypsies, <laughs> probably. Wow. Okay, this is. Uh... I mean, you can download it for free, so that probably appeals. <laughs> what? <laughs> wow, dude. Wait a minute, uh, is this some family issue you want to talk about? <laughs> oh my goodness. Oh my goodness gracious. Okay, well on that note, ladies and gentlemen, um, 
Okay, I like your take on it. <laughs> I'm going to say this is par for course, of course for par, whatever the saying <laughs> is. I'm going to say this is your typical, everyday, boy meets girl, hmm. girl gets a job in the government, boy works as a reporter, other boy leaves his mom because she's in the mafia, boy and girl work for dad and he's a mobster, and one boy likes to box and the girl likes to smoke, and one boy is in a family full of gypsies, and all he wants is a nice kebab in his, you know, where... But they want him to marry a girl, kind of thing, and the priest is there to just bless everybody. Mm-hmm. That's what I think is happening. Hmm. Yeah, I think I think it's 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 all a big conspiracy for a new uh, Pizza Hut chain that they want to open in Rome. <sighs> that makes sense. Yeah. yeah, that makes sense. That's my take on it. It's not nearly as. Mm. As as interesting as yours, but as that's, <laughs> my t- that's my take on it. Yeah. So, okay. Yeah. Well, no, that's good. Okay. Well, yeah. well, very good. Very good. All right. Well, thank you, ladies and gentlemen. Happy New Year. Glad to have you back with us. And that was episode 28. And we hope to be talking to you very soon. Bye. Yeah, indeed. Bye.